0: Hi, and welcome to Alternative Christian Voices. I'm your host, Sam Shepherd, and today we welcome Michael Selby, the vicar of St. Paul's Ricelip Manor. It's spelt Ruslip. Um Michael, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I, well, I feel di- I, I'm finding it difficult calling it Ryslip. Yes, yes. And so where's that?
1: So we're on the very edge of London. Um, before you head out towards Oxford... So we're on the A40, heading out of London, uh, the very edge, and within a few, I mean, half a mile or so, I'm in Greenfields, and uh, a very beautiful place. So I it does mean that I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm in the Diocese of London, but on the very edge of it, and I'm in the Wilsdon area of London, uh, so I, I'm under the Bishop of Wilsdon.
0: Right. So I, I didn't know any of those words. I, my whole view of the world is, is, is based around Bristol. <laughs> um, I spent three years in Oxford missing Bristol. Yes. Well, Bristol's <laughs> a beautiful place. <laughs> Excellent answer. Well done. Good start. So, Michael, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Right. Well, I'm I'm now 60. I'm a 60-year-old priest. He doesn't look uh, it. Thank you. I'm glad I've got that down. And um, I, I was a cradle Christian. In other words, I was taken to church from a baby and all my family, my extended family, were in the same church. So I it, worshipped at a church where I had both grandmothers, um, great uncles and aunts, aunts and uncles. Um, my father was a preacher and my mother sang on the choir. Uh, She was also PCC secretary. So we were all really involved. My grandfather was the church treasurer. Um, Unfortunately, he died when I was about five or six. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I grew up in the church. And uh, one of my earliest memories is of my dad preaching. And he was preaching about uh, licorice, licorice all sorts. And so it stuck with me. And uh, it's quite pertinent to what we're talking about, because he said that looking around the congregation, people looked a bit like licorice all sorts.
0: Everyone
1: everyone was different. Everybody looked different and was different inside as well. And I thought that was really good. It's the variety of people you get within the church. And that's really exciting.
0: Sure. I I, I I deeply struggle with the fact that they've yet to make vegan licorice all sorts
1: oh uh, yeah
0: it's I one agree. of the great challenges in my life
1: yeah that would be quite something
0: oh, yeah. some jelly babies that's those are the <laughs> no vegan equivalent everything else
1: oh well that's uh, a shame because i adore jelly babies
0: well don't become a vegan <laughs> no i'm not going to you'll regret it i do
1: <laughs> so yes I, gr- I grew up in the church at the age of eight um i became a chorister so in other words church choir and uh became head chorister and started really doing lots of singing i was a bit of a show-off as a kid and i like to get up on stage and sing and sometimes even dance and act and uh some at some point when i became an adult i got a bit shy but uh, i can turn it back on when i need to because i'm a, still a little bit of an actor. Um, <laughs> So I can stand in front of lots of people and sing and dance, but uh, doesn't mean I'm not nervous. So, yeah, I became a, a, a singer and um, when I went off to university, it was to be a teacher. And I um, trained up in Lancashire to be a teacher um, and got my first job here in London and in this part of the world where I am now, in fact, not more than half, um, half to a mile away from here was the school where I got my first job as a school teacher and um, I i i taught for about 7 years and uh, was very happy but all the time i was still singing i was singing on sundays in church I was very involved in church life i became an organist for a while in a church and um, i had a dream of being uh, being a full-time musician, and I followed that dream. And within a couple of years of leaving teaching, I got my first full-time job. Um,
0: as and, a as uh, as what, what sort of what sort yeah,
1: of yeah, so I was a singer, and so I, I sang opera. And um, I'd had my voice trained right from it breaking. Uh, I carried on I carried on singing in church, but I was having singing lessons every week. And um, it it was a it was a good thing to do, because, yes, for many years of my life, I then earned my living singing and uh, got to travel the world with it, which was very exciting. But if I go all the way back now to that first church surrounded by my family, about the age of six, I felt a deep call to be a priest.
0: That, That early? That early, because you were and, ordained, um, uh, not, you, know, you trained with me, so.
1: That's right. So it took a long, long time to be um, to to agree to to go forward for ordination. So from six, I wanted to be a priest. I knew I was different. Um, so did my parents, because um, I bought my first prayer book at six.
0: That was part <laughs> of
1: the part of the thing. I used my pocket money.
0: And, you use um, your pocket money to buy a prayer book. I did. So just I, I, I used my preordination grant. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you that I was a bit strange
1: then, you see. So that, that was at the age of six. Um, I had this real feeling that I wanted to do something in the church. I was never, ever happier in my life than when I was in church. That was really, it gave me great joy to be in church. And, um... There we go. Um, I kept it on the back burner, Um, but at the age of eight, I discovered something else about myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and what would that be, Michael?
1: Now, that would be that I was gay. And um,
0: yes. So that's quite young
1: as well, isn't it? I
0: I confess, I don't know what's what's typical, but
1: no, it is young because you don't at eight you don't actually know what's going on. But I remember, you remember what interests you. And when I say that, it's not a sexual thing. It's about what interests you in uh, w- what you're looking at, if you like. And actually, you know, I might have played in the playground equally with boys and girls, but actually, I actually like looking at boys. And so I realized at the age of eight that I was a bit different and um you fight against it, particularly growing up in the 1960s and 1970s. Um, it wasn't easy, and so you. I had lots of girlfriends, and you 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 live um, a sort of a lie in a sense. Um, I had my last girlfriend when I was 20, um, and yet I had also had. A boyfriend at that point. So um, oh dear, it was not easy. you wouldn't you wouldn't choose this. You wouldn't choose it in those days in particular, because it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy. And anybody on the television who uh, was portraying someone who was gay or homosexual wasn't a very nice person, usually. They were either figures of fun. Or um, or they were unpleasant and nasty.
0: Well, the, I mean, I would say that that was true uh, when I was growing up, and it, it, yeah. even sometimes now. But I mean, I I was I was born in '92, so we're talking That's late right. '90s, early 2000s. I was growing up. So
1: I would agree with you. I mean, it's only very recently, I think, since some sportsmen have have, have come out as gay, that it actually has got a lot more acceptable amongst heterosexual men in particular, that now the younger generation now, from from what I'm told, they don't think twice about it. And they actually get quite angry about the divisions in society that still exist. So, yeah, it wasn't easy. But when I came down to London to get my first job, it suddenly became a lot easier because living in a city is so different than living in a little village in the Midlands. Uh, amongst green fields and all that kind of thing, with a very limited uh, view of life. <clears throat> so when I came to London, I, I suppose that's when I knew that this was me. This was going to be my life. I never stopped going to church all my life. I've gone to church. You can bear. I can barely. I probably can say I've barely missed a Sunday going to church in my life. Even on holiday, we went to church. And when I came down to London, I immediately joined a church in London um, as a singer and, and worshipper. You know, it wasn't just just singing. It was being part
0: of the church. And I, I understand I'm, I'm not a that sort of singer, but I, I understand that there are people who you are engaged in church communities for the music. That's right. No yeah. judgment on my no, part. And yeah. Not particularly what
1: about, but... particularly here in London. There are lots of professional choirs on church for churches And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean the members of the choir are Christians, right? But of course in my case I was and uh, Firmly believed it that I was in the right place doing the right thing
0: right. So when church was, is obviously uh, very Sorry, you carry on
1: yeah when I was a teenager well late teens uh, when I was at college, I suppose, I'd be about, what, 1920. Um uh, my, my dad came into my uh, room at one point because he they'd noticed, my mum and dad had noticed the kinds of people I was hanging out with. And he actually asked me if I was gay. And I said, yes, I think I am. And he said, do you feel tempted by that? And I said, no, because I don't think it's wrong. And I don't know where those words came from because I'd never really analyzed it. I just had a gut feeling that it wasn't wrong, um, That a gut feeling that God loved me anyway and uh, God had made me the way I am. Because, as I said earlier, who would choose this, particularly back in the 70s, 1980s, who would choose to be gay and to be ostracized? So, you know, I don't think people choose it. I think we are made that way. Um, It's just one of those those things. The world is made up of all kinds of people, just like those licorice all sorts. (laughs) Uh, The world is full of faults. Not only we as human beings, but the animal world and the natural world has got... um, you know, the Teutonic plates, for instance, rub against each other and they create volcanoes and earthquakes and disasters and tsunamis. So um, the natural world itself is uh, is has faults in it, has differences, and some of them are good, some of them are not good. Um, we know that some animals are born deformed just as children are born deformed. It's not right, we might think. It might be cruel, but it's not God being cruel. It's the, it's the, uh, the free will, the freedom that God has given us. We live in a free world, or it should be, and uh, he has given us free will to choose. So that that's that's what I sort of believe. I believed at that time somewhere inside me deep down that w- although society or the church might be saying that my lifestyle was wrong, I didn't think it was because I thought this is a God of love, a God who loves everyone. And a- if love is inside us, then God is inside us
0: because God is love. And So how of, would you say... I mean, I, I've known you for about four years. I've always found you to be very, uh, very open about uh, about stuff like this. Um, yeah. You were in a civil partnership with Neil. Yeah. How would you say people have responded to you in, in church?
1: Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate, I suppose, partly because we're here in London. And so I suppose L- London is considered very liberal on the whole, very forward thinking, I don't know. But I I didn't really have any problem in church. Do you know, I don't think I met any particular problem until I went to Cudston to college. No. Um, And then on the whole, I was accepted.
0: So Cudston, just just to give a bit of context, Cudston is the uh, Church of England seminary where both Michael and I trained to be ordained. That's right.
1: And when I my first day there, the only person I knew on my first day was yourself, Sam. <laughs> That's because we shared a wall. <laughs> yeah, we shared a wall. <laughs> I I, yeah.
0: I kept him up all night.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're the only person I knew. Um, and everybody was fantastic. I'd like to say everyone, but of course there was one person who wasn't. I shouldn't say of course. There was one person who wasn't, and it was a, a great sadness that I couldn't win that person round. Whatever my background or sexuality, I thought I was a child of God and that I would be able to win this person round and make them l- at least be respectful to me, but I couldn't. So that was the really the first time I'd ever had any negative um attitude from another fellow Christian Um, when I got to out of college and went into my curacy and went to Ealing which was where my curacy was um, for three years I then was told that because quite a lot of Ealing deanery was evangelical that I might have a problem and do you know I didn't at all Our area dean was uh, evangelical and there was no problem at all. He was the nicest man you could possibly meet. And, you know, after he'd met me about twice, he actually then would come up to me and he would give me a hug. And I thought that was actually showing that although, although some of his own theology and background we may have clashed over, he really respected and loved me as a person.
0: But and I, and I, I'm not sure that it's a reasonable. I think it's something that we we do, but I'm not sure it's a reasonable assumption that um, evangelicals will be conservative and Anglo-Catholics will be. Liberal. Absolutely, it I'm, does I'm sometimes totally, play out that way. But
1: yeah, I'm totally agree with you. I mean, there are there are whole groups of evangelicals that are open to uh, the LGBT. GBT community and you're absolutely right for correcting me on that Uh, it was just that my own vicar, my my incumbent had warned me that there could be a problem and there was, I was just trying to illustrate that there wasn't a problem at all. no no
0: I I, I agree with you that I think that's the the perception, I think it does play out sometimes to be honest Um, sure, I've been through sort of high and low churches in the time I've been a Christian and it does sometimes play out that way probably more often than not yeah so so uh, tracking back a little bit so what was it yeah. like you, you got to Cusden what was it like going forward for ordination in the first place
1: so my uh, my going forward was fine um, all my interviews at dio- diocesan level went very well um, I, I should have explained shouldn't I that um, towards uh, the last 20 years before I went off to Cudden to college, um, I'd been a reader in the church. So I gave up singing and I was a reader, which meant, of course, preaching, leading services. So I was a lay minister. Um, so you've been
0: actively engaged in church leadership for though, over 20 yes, years,
1: over 20 years before going for ordination. In fact, when I had my final interview in London for to be a reader, One of the clergy on the panel said, don't you think you should be ordained? And I said, no, I don't feel I'm called to. Well, that was a lie. I told a lie to protect myself because I wasn't willing to, at that stage, to suddenly in front of all these strangers start to explain my feelings uh, about God and my sexuality. And I just wanted to take it slowly so I became a reader and of course once I was a reader then people started saying why aren't you ordained and you know I knew full well I should be ordained goes right back to being that young child and knowing that's what I wanted to but I wasn't willing to tell lies I had told a lie in the sense yes I did know I should be ordained but it was to protect myself and it's terrible that the church should make you lie in order not to lie. Do
0: you, do, you want to, do you want to explain that one? Yeah. So so, what, what, do you, what do you mean the church would make you lie?
1: Well, for many, many decades, it, you couldn't be an open gay person and a priest. You had to be either in the closet, which means you didn't proclaim it, you didn't do anything about it, or if you were in an area of the country or the church where it was accepted that you could be gay, you had to still, of course, be celibate. Um, and for those people who don't know what that means, it means you can't have sex. And- uh, You're not
0: allowed to say sex, with vicars.
1: Oh gosh, I've done it now, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't willing to tell a lie um, because I didn't think it right at that stage that you had to be celibate. Um and I wasn't therefore willing to go pull myself forward for ordination because I didn't agree with the the criteria basically um yeah now things changed because the church became a little bit more enlightened The the church back to the decriminalization of homosexuality many, many years ago. I mean, it's now over 50 years since the decriminalization of homosexuality. But the church, of course, remains rather ambiguous about same-sex relationships. So that's
0: that's in your lifetime. And I hadn't actually realized that in your lifetime, it's been illegal to be gay. That's
1: right. When I was a tiny boy, it was illegal. You would be locked up in prison. Uh, if you were discovered. Um, And of course, for many, many years, it remained illegal. It only had to be in private. So it remained illegal in any kind of public space. Um, And obviously, shows of affection or of any kind were frowned upon in society. So the church led with that, but of course, it then did never caught up. Society moved on and became more and more liberal, but the church didn't and remains ambiguous to this present day. Although, of course, most people in the pews, you would probably, I I would say, most people in the pews are fairly liberal in their outlook and don't really understand what the problem is. So I didn't want to be a priest who hid themselves away, or I didn't want to say that I believed that celibacy was correct. Now, what happened then for me to then go forward? Well, 12, 13 years ago, I was paralysed. I lost the use of my legs, my arms. I had a tiny bit of movement in my hands, and I could move my head. I lost my sight, and I lost my speech. And I was being paralysed by a virus and rushed to hospital. And it took six months to learn to walk again and to get back into society. And first of all, I came home in a wheelchair, and then you gradually have all your physio and you learn to walk again. And um a sight returned, and speech returned. And um, um, that was the deciding time for me, because the whole time I was fighting for my life, I was not scared. I if God willed me to die at that point, then so be it. I was totally OK with that. If he wanted me, that was fine. But all the time I was I felt warm and I felt held up. It was as if hands were under me, cushioning me and holding me. And I couldn't even feel my bed particularly. And it was just a wonderful feeling. And I said in my heart to God, God, if I come through this, I am not going to tell lies about my self and the church anymore. I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to go forward for ordination. And that's what happened. I did go forward. Now, how about the celibacy issue? Well, I am very
0: interested in that because I don't want to make assumptions, but I I do know your partner.
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, as part of that um, paralysis, I had a lot of nerve damage uh, that has never, never really improved. So I'm um, I lost the ability to have n- the natural, the natural ability to go to the toilet. Right.
0: Um,
1: and so I was incontinent, both from my bladder and my bowels. And also I lost all my sexual function. So uh, some of that has come back but not good. I I currently have to catheterize so I don't pee naturally. Um, And um, so I don't do that kind of stuff naturally. Now, that meant I could quite honestly say to my bishop, yes, I cannot cannot do the deed. Um,
0: So So you didn't have to lie on a technicality.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so which he knew anyway, because I was one of his readers. I was one of his assessors. I used to assess people going ahead for ministry. I was uh, one of his reviewers. So I met with clergy to review them. So he knew me well. And he, so he knew, knew my background. He knew all about my illness. So I didn't have an issue. So actually going forward for ordination for me was not a problem um, because of what had happened to me. Now, some people might say, oh, well, God did that. Well, I don't believe God's like that. We don't we don't have a cruel God who would do that. But it's just funny the way that things happen, isn't it? That that cleared the way for me not to have to lie about celibacy because actually the function had been taken away from me. Um, Right.
0: But I suppose it seems odd to me because I I came to to about the same time we were on the same BAPS or the same like final selection panel. We were. Um, and of course, I was um, I was engaged to be married. I was married a month or so after that, yep. um, and nobody ever asked. No, do you know, it, it just never came up. I, I yeah. think they they saw on my paperwork that I was engaged, and that was the end of That's nobody right. asked me anything. And it just it strikes me as I, I don't know. I, I suppose it's well, so why is I that a, such that an issue then? for you and not for me? You know, why yeah. why was that? Yeah, yeah
1: please do. Yeah, so you're right. The, the, the inequality of that is very strange, and it remains that same inequality today that nobody bats an eyelid what a heterosexual couple do, if one of them is a, a, a vicar. No one thinks about it. And, and why should they? Nobody questions what they do behind their closed doors, but yet they do about gay people. And, OK, we can be gay and be, a, be in the church. We can be gay and be ordained and we can be gay and be in a civil partnership. But it is still assumed that if you're gay, you are celibate. I have to say, I know that people aren't. Of course, I know that. But um, a lot of the younger generation are not. But how they get around the gray area of the bishop's guidelines is between them and God. So. Yeah, I hope that answers your question enough. Um, When I was at college, I suppose there was an inequality there for me in that I was never given the opportunity for Neil to come with me to college. And yet when I got there, I discovered other gay couples had moved, lock, stock and barrel. And uh, yeah, that hurt a bit. But I thought, oh, well, so be it. Neil's got his career. We'll manage for the, for the years I'm here. And we did. And we came through it really well. I,
0: I can remember um, Neil sneaking in with your dog and your cat. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I think I'm quietly confident that Humphrey Southern, the prince was probably not going to listen to this because um, my name's on it. So, yeah, I, I, I used to sneak. I used to see him sneaking in. You you did a whole little, a whole little thing about it where you pretended you were. Yeah, well, I asked permission
1: from Martin Percy before I came if if my dog could come as an occasional visitor, and he said yes. Um, But having a cat come as an occasional visitor was a bit unusual.
0: But,
1: yeah, he had to do it twice during my time there. The cat had to come for a night, and we kept it quiet. The person who cleaned my room and everything was in on the secret, and... uh, she uh, she loved animals anyway. So she was great
0: about it. Yeah. Well, I do. I, I, I enjoyed seeing them. But and so the, um, um, so some, the... some people feel that um some people feel that that homosexual relationships go against the Bible and yeah. they go against Christianity. And yeah. so I'm really, really sorry to use this, this horrible term. Yeah, um, I, I'm really sorry to use this term because it just sounds awkward. Uh, practicing gay couples. Should, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? but It sounds as if. Like, nobody ever calls me a practicing heterosexual. No. I, well, must be rubbish at it. Well,
1: well Sam, you're a perfect homose- uh, heterosexual,
0: aren't you? You don't I need don't to know. practice because you're not I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm the person to ask. It sounds as if, it sounds as if you're preparing for a show, a practicing homosexual. That's um, right. I, I got distracted. Uh, yeah. So, so, no. some, some people would say that, that um, practicing gay couples shouldn't be allowed into church leadership. Very briefly, how would you respond to those people? What would you like to say to those people?
1: Yeah, well, the the crux of the disagreement is not actually about sex. The crux of the disagreement is about how we interpret or how we read or how we understand the Bible. So if we take the Bible quite literally, there are lots of things in modern society that shouldn't happen. But we don't take it literally in this country on the whole. (laughs) One or two people might, but there we go. Um, We actually tend to either interpret what we read on the basis of the figure of Jesus, which is what we should do as Christians, and we interpret it with our own minds and hearts and feelings. And so if we choose to... Decide that the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. We're basing that on what what is commonly called clobber verses, because they are the words that we use to clobber gay people over the head with. <laughs> I've
0: never and heard the, that before.
1: Right. So the clobber verses. I'm using verses that. Are, are, yeah. Are of course some in Leviticus, in Deuteronomy, and uh, three, I think, in the New Testament by Paul. But if you don't take those words at face value, but actually do your theological studying, you will find that those verses all refer to something completely different than what we call homosexuality or gay lifestyle. They are very much, all those passages are usually something to do with either prostitution or abuse of power. Um, And so if we go back to the early ones in the Old Testament, and we have um, the uh, men of Sodom come out to to Lot's house, and they want him to give up the strangers, these men that that are staying with Lot for the night. They want to him to give them up because they want to abuse them. It's not because they're against uh, same-sex relationships. It's because the way to abuse someone in those days was often to, um, to rape them, male rape. And um, if we then turn to perhaps some of the Pauline uh, statements, if they're not about rape or temple prostitution, um, they're they're about the abuse of power of one older person against a younger one. And the way to defile a younger person was to rape them. Um, and that's most scholars would say that is the kind of thing I mean, I could you can write a book about this, this subject.
0: But well, I, I, I couldn't, but I imagine where, you could.
1: I've got a number of books on it. It's a great, <laughs> uh, great one um, that's come from America.
0: I could uh, probably write a joke about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, I would say it's the crux of it is how we interpret the Bible. You see, if you accept everything the Bible says, then there are lots of things we do in society that we shouldn't do. Uh, we shouldn't wear clothing of two different kinds of fiber. So you can't have cotton and wool together. Um, We men should not be cutting our hair. Oh, funny that, Sam. (laughs) You do have a trim now and again, don't you?
0: Every now and again, yeah. Not very often.
1: Yeah. Uh, We shouldn't shave our beards. Uh, Women, uh, girls, female cannot have sex during menstruation. You would be stoned to death for it. Um, so you know you go on and on let's talk about Paul for instance what about women being silent in church oh my goodness I don't think we'd get very far with that these days Um, what about the covering of heads Uh, that women's hair should be covered no we don't do it so if we're not careful we pick and choose the bits we want to clobber people over the head with and we're not really being very fair
0: so what you're advocating is a a more rationalized or broad approach to look at the whole the whole of scripture rather than picking out individual verses yes to attack people with or or proof texting is another thing it's known as
1: yes that's that's right you've got it in a nutshell if we just pick and choose the verses we want to uh, attack people with we're not being very fair to god or the bible because the bible you can uh, uh, argue that black is white, or white is black, if you find the right verses in the Bible, because yes, it's an inspired word of God, I totally believe that, but of course it is still men writing down um, what they think is inspired, and it's culturally and uh, contextual, it's uh, biased, you know, it's, it's of its time. And so we have to read it through the lens of Jesus, but also of the time that it was written. Um, we have lots of things in the Old Testament about idols and Baal and, and, and uh, the Canaanite gods. Well, that was because people in their homes did actually have these little idols. They, they wanted something concrete to get hold of or something something of substance, and they were very, very loath to get rid of them. So, you know, that's a context um, that's uh, as relevant today, but it's, that's why we have so much about idols in the Old Testament. So, yeah, you've got to, you've got to read your Bible very carefully and interpret it carefully. And if you're using it to bash someone over the head with, then you've really got to think about it even more carefully because we're all God's children and you're bashing a child of God over the head. You could be putting someone off for life. And as we know from the poor girl who committed suicide in Manchester, um, not too many years ago, that if we're not careful, people take their own lives because of what they're being told in church.
0: We've, um, we've gone well over the time. I, planned. I, I I had a feeling we might, um, Finally, what would you like to call the episode? It's your episode, so what would you like to call it? Yeah. Um, for the love of God. For the love of God. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being so open and so honest. I know that so you've talked about some very personal things. Um, I hope people really appreciate how open you've been. That's all for today. Please do like and share. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. Or we we will be on Twitter Once I work out how to use Twitter and join the discussion on Facebook. The rules for discussion are very simple it's okay to disagree, it's not okay to be mean. Thank you for listening.